Good morning. You doing good? You had a good week? You're like, what even happened this week? I had a wild week. I had an emotionally wild week. I had my, I, I, uh, my mom passed away last July at 96, an amazing woman, and her birthday was this week. So it was the first time in my life that I didn't have to plan a big, huge party because she loved to party. And the day before that, my, my one and only granddaughter turned one, so it was like, that kind of an emotional week, but it was good. But I've been tasked with preaching this morning on facing your past, and I am pumped because I'm pretty passionate about this. I'm passionate about seeing the body of Christ free, living in freedom, dealing with your crap, allowed to say crap in church? Oops, I just did. I know, right? A little different from Pastor Matt this morning. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I'm excited about this word that God's given me. So I want to pray before we get going because, of course, I have way too much material and too little time. So I need wisdom. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you desire to deliver us, to heal us, to set us free from every shackle, every sin, every burden, anything that would keep us from moving forward in the calling of God for our lives. I pray this morning you'd breathe on these words, on these scriptures, that you would touch our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to just kind of go over... Christianity 101 with you this morning, and if you've never embraced Jesus into your life, today would be an awesome opportunity for you, but you know, the Bible says that we all sinned and falling short of the glory of God, right? Every one of us, and there's a way to come to God. Romans 10 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you enter into the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Here it is in the Living Bible. When someone becomes a Christian... He becomes a brand new person. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And here it is in the Amplified. If anyone's in Christ, if you've been grafted in, joined to him by faith, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away, and all things have become new. Your spirit was dead, and now you become alive. When you embraced Jesus, you came out of darkness and into light. Right? Your old life passed away. Something new happened on the inside, whether you felt it or whether you didn't. Something new happened on the inside. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. The Bible says, you were dead in your sins. 
your sinful desires were not yet cut away. But then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ because he forgave all your sins. He blotted out the charges proved against you, the list of commandments which you had not obeyed. He took that list of sins of yours and mine. He destroyed them by nailing them to Christ's cross. And in this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin, and God openly displayed the whole world, Christ's triumph at the cross, where your sins were all taken away. That's some good news. That's some really good news. That's what happened at the point of salvation. When you prayed that prayer to embrace Christ and invite him into your life and your spirit came alive and, and the, the guilt and the shame was broken and your sins were washed away, this was your initiation into Christianity and becoming a new person. Your position of Christ, your position in Christ was set. You became a child of God. He adopted you. You became his. What an amazing thing. And now the door was opened for you to walk in freedom. How many of you know that when you prayed that prayer to invite Jesus into your life, you didn't instantly go, what? and now you're like perfect. You're like this brand new person. Like, I am just like Jesus. Although, I got to say, you know, my mom was a big fan of my husband. She just loved him. And she would say to me all the time, Evelyn, she was German, Evelyn, you should thank God every minute of every day for that man. I go, yeah, mommy's just like Jesus. Yeah. He can do no wrong. But I tell you, even Mike is in the process of being transformed into the image of Christ. Yeah. I want to I say the statement to you. You have been liberated to now be transformed. That just came to me this week. That had to be from the Holy Spirit because it's so good. You have been liberated to now be transformed because now you're in this process of being transformed into the image of Christ. And how many of you know it's a process? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. And you know, sometimes you can get stuck on that journey. Anybody? You can get stuck on that journey. Why do you see, if we're new creations, and we've been born again, and the bondage of sin has been broken, and we've been taken out of darkness into light, why are we still stuck? Why are we still in bondage in some areas of our lives? Well, I want to address that this morning. I'm going to get you all free in 20 minutes. No. <laughs> But I do want to hit some things that might help you this morning in the process of becoming more like Jesus. There, if you've got some bad fruit in your life, what do I mean by bad fruit? Repetitive sins, anger issues, depression, discouragement. If you've got some bad fruit coming out on your tree, the best thing for you to do is to look at your root because whatever it, you've planted, it's going to grow. So if you've got some bad fruit growing on, 
there is some roots that you need to deal with and look at and bring to the light. This is why we have freedom sessions. <laughs> some of you don't know what that is. It's a, it's a Christian program that is just absolutely grueling. <laughs> it's months and months and months of walking through, facing, basically facing your past and getting free from the things that have hindered you, that have burdened you, that are tripping you up in order to set you free to walk your Christian life with victory, with joy, and, and with freedom. And uh, I'm going to touch on some of the stuff that Freedom Special um, talks about. But one of the things, when I started thinking about this, and my life and my walk with Christ, I started thinking about this, uh, and maybe this is just basic Christianity 101 to you, but I think some of the times we get stuck in not knowing the difference between conviction and condemnation. Of processing true guilt or false guilt, of getting stuck in what I would call a shame cycle. And it has to do with not facing your past or not dealing with sin that is currently plaguing your life. So I want to look at, and I think this is really, um, really important information for you to have to walk out your everyday life. I want to look at the difference between Conviction and condemnation. Conviction, and, and that's a very Christian-y word, but it's biblical, and this is what it means. It's, it's, it's from God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You've probably heard that phrase, I'm feeling convicted. What? It's that, it's that conscience. It's that part of us where the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. He's drawing you. He wants to work in your life. He wants to change something. It's from God. Condemnation is something completely different. It is from the pit of hell. It is, it is, well, I'm going to talk about it. Conviction leads you to life. Condemnation leads you to despair. Conviction ends in joy. Condemnation ends in sorrow. Conviction makes you want to change. Condemnation makes us think that we cannot change. Conviction leads to our new identity in Christ. Condemnation leads to your old identity in sin. Conviction brings a specific awareness of sin. Condemnation is a vague uncertainty about sin. Conviction looks to Jesus. Condemnation looks to yourself. Conviction is a blessing. Condemnation is a burden. And I know too many Christians that live their lives under the cloud of condemnation. Anybody? Am I the only one? The main difference between conviction and condemnation is where they lead you. If you're trying to figure out, okay, am I, is this conviction or condemnation? Conviction will result in life and freedom. Condemnation will result in spiritual death. I want to tell you, some people say, well, all my guilt is gone, all my guilt is free, but guilt is a human emotion. And if you're feeling guilt about something, it's probably because you've done something wrong. Yeah, right? And guilt is something that should point you to the cross. It should draw you to Christ. 
It's, it's something that's pulling you. It's pulling you to confess sin. It's pulling you to, hey, there's something wrong here, right? False guilt is a feeling. It's, it's something that says, you are not enough. You will never get it right. You have to pay. It pounds you down. Conviction draws you to Christ. Condemnation pounds you down, right? True guilt is the kind that's led by the Spirit that convicts you to do the right thing, even when you're tempted to do otherwise. It's the kind that says, that was wrong. I need to make this right. I need to make amends. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation. No condemnation for those that are in Christ. If you're feeling condemned this morning, that is not coming from Jesus. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this scripture in Psalm 32. It says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover up my iniquity. I will confess my sin to the Lord and you will forgive me. When conviction comes into your life, come clean. Don't deny, don't hide, don't rationalize, don't blame. You know, we have three kids. They're all adults now, but I, re I remember distinctly this one day. I was, we were playing a card game. My, my little girl was probably eight at the time. My son was, well, he's five years older. And the three of us were playing this game. And we're in the middle of the game, and all of a sudden, we want, need to take a break. I went to the washroom. My other kid went somewhere and my daughter was left with the cards and so we came back and she had that look on her face you know that look that you you know as a mom you're like okay what'd you do you know it's like did you have a cookie no and there's crumbs all over your face it's that kind of a look I said Chrissy were you playing with did you move the cards did you do something with cards no no I didn't move the cards I'm like let me see your hand so she flips her cards over. You know, it's all aces. I'm like, I think you touched the cards. How did that get in there, she said. I'm like, Chrissy, you need to confess. You, were, you messed up the cards. You were stacking your hand. Jeff made me do it. I thought, what a perfect example of classic human nature. We're in denial, right? We make excuses and then we blame. Instead of just coming clean when, when the Spirit of God's convicting us, right? And just come clean. 2 Corinthians 7, 10, 11 says, Godly grief or godly conviction produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So don't get trapped in a shame cycle that will keep you stuck in this place of I'm no good, right? True guilt draws you to Christ. Shame paralyzes you. I'm no good, right? I want to talk to you for a minute about, and this is all kind of interwoven into this whole thing, which I think people get really stuck in, and I have too, forgiving yourself. 
You know, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I came to Christ when I was 16 years old through my PE teacher in high school. And, uh, you know, even though I was only 16 at the time, you could say that I had been sowing my wild oats. I know that's shocking. And I was very rebellious. And, uh, and so when I came to Christ and I had this amazing encounter with Jesus, I, it, was, it was awesome. I mean, God really started to do something amazing in my life, and a bunch of my high school friends got saved, and it, we had a mini revival in our high school. It was awesome. And, uh, and then down the road a little bit, I realized that I wasn't perfect, and I was still making some pretty big mistakes. And so I would ask God to forgive me, and then I'd ask God to forgive me, and then I'd ask God to forgive me, and I'd ask God to forgive me, and I'd ask God to forgive me over and over and over for the same thing. And he'd forgiven me the first time. But you know what I realized? I could not forgive myself. I was still beating myself up for all the things I had done. What about even last week? What are you beating yourself up for? Um, yeah, it, it was a chronic thing. I want to talk a little bit about forgiving yourself this morning because I think it is crucial in facing the past. Um, you know, Paul the Apostle, if anybody had an opportunity to beat himself up for his past, it was Paul the Apostle. Here this guy is breathing murderous threats to Christians, throwing them in jail, witness the stoning of Stephen, cheering it on, and then he has this powerful God encounter where Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and blinds him and says, you know, it's me that you're persecuting, and he sets him on to this amazing ministry. Well, how did Paul, you know, after being contrary and murdering and throwing people in jail, how is he able to get past that and write 13 New Testament letters, go on three major missionary journeys, plant numerous churches, and win multitudes to Christ. Well, he didn't waste time beating himself up over it, and he didn't disqualify himself because of his past mistakes. How did he do it? Well, he, he wasn't in denial. He said, I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm going to reach forward to what's ahead. I'm going to pursue my goal. When he referred to himself, he, he wasn't in denial about his uh, sinfulness, he called himself the least of all apostles, the least of all saints, the worst of all sinners. But the more he matured, I think, the greater understanding he had of the grace of God, of the mercy of God, of the presence of God, that he would capture someone who had messed up so badly and set him on this new path. It motivated him. It didn't disqualify him. It motivated, that grace and that mercy motivated him to keep pressing on. I want to, uh, I have a couple of people that are going to help me this morning. I need Doug and Brenda to come up here. I have props. I have props for you. They're going to pass out some objects for each of you while I go on to this forgiving yourself thing a bit more. 
So many of you know the author Max Licato. Anybody? Amazing writer. He's written a book called uh, From God Came Near. God Came Near. And there was this insert in this book that I thought was so powerful, I wanted to, to read it to you so that you know you're not alone in facing your past and dealing with conviction and condemnation. I want to read this to you. This is Max saying this. I was thanking the Father today for his mercy. I began listing the sins that he'd forgiven. One by one, I thanked God for forgiving my stumbles and tumbles. My motives were pure and my heart was thankful, but my understanding of God was wrong. It was when I used the word remember that hit me. God doesn't just forgive, he forgets. He erases the board. He destroys the evidence. He burns the microfilm and he clears the computer. No, he doesn't remember, but I do and you do. You still remember. You're like me. You still remember what you did before you changed. In the cellar of your heart lurk the ghosts of yesterday's sin. Sin that you've confessed. Errors of which you've repented. Damage you've done your best to repair. And although you're a different person, the ghosts still linger. Though you've locked the basement door, they still haunt you. They float up to meet you, spooking your soul and robbing your joy. With wordless whispers, they remind you of moments when you forgot whose child you were. Poltergeists from yesterday's pitfalls. Spiteful spectators that slyly suggest, are you really forgiven? Sure, God forgets most of our mistakes, but do you really think he could actually forget the time that you... Was God exaggerating when he said he would cast our sins as far as the east is from the west? Do you actually believe he would make a statement like, I will not hold their iniquities against them and then rub our noses in them whenever we ask for help? God is either the God of perfect grace or he is not God. Grace forgets, period. He who is perfect love cannot hold grudges, for if he does, he is not perfect love. And if he isn't perfect love, you might as well put this book down and go fishing because both of us are chasing fairy tales. But I believe in his loving forgetfulness, and I believe has a graciously terrible memory. Isn't that awesome? That makes me want to cry, really. Because I don't know if, if I'm the only person where sometimes stuff comes up and I just think, oh man, I'm just not enough. What about mom guilt? Can we go there? You know, I tried my best to be a great mom, but I was not a perfect mom. And there were lots of things that I beat myself up for, you know, mistakes I'd made. I've, I've gone to all three of our adult children and made amends for things. 
That's one of the things you have to do when you take freedom sessions. I've gone to all of them and said, you know, I mean, I tried to keep short accounts as we were going through the process of parenting, but maybe there were some things as an adult that they needed me to ask forgiveness for. And we did that. It was awesome. It was powerful. It was healing. It was freeing. Because you know where shame grows? In the dark. It grows in secrecy. Grows in hiding. And the only way to dispel shame and break its power over your life is to bring it to the light. So I've asked forgiveness many times for my kids. What if you're in the thick of parenting right now? And you're just, what about that mistake you made last week that you're still beating yourself up for? You know there's freedom and grace in that that God wants to just set you free from all that stuff, that you're not living under that cloud of I am not enough. If you could put up that picture of that uh, steak. Here we go. I, this came to my mind this week as I was preparing, preparing this message. Back in the early 1990s, some of you weren't alive, but I was, and uh, there was this movie that came out with um, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. It was called Far and Away. I don't know if anybody ever saw it. Um, and it was a story of this Irish immigrant that um, came to America with the dream of owning land. And it was qu it's quite an emotional story. And uh, in the final scene, in, the, in Oklahoma, they were giving uh, free land. There was a land run of 1893 you know your history, and it was a bit of a free-for-all. I mean, all these people on horses, they'd just be, there was, I don't know, 100,000, and they'd all be lined up, and then it was one, two, three, go, and then they'd just kind of go down over the territory, and they'd have to claim their land. And, uh, I mean, it, it was quite an emotional journey watching this movie. Of course, there's romance in it, too, which is great. But the final scene is when Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are trying to claim their land and they've got this stake. You had to stake, put your stake in the ground to claim your land. And so they find their piece of land and at the ver he ends up dying, then he comes back to life because she loves him, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> that's a side note. But on the final scene, they both take this stake and they drive it into the ground. That's a screenshot of the final scene. And that's their land. That's their territory. And I thought to myself this, um, this week, some of us need to take back some territory and claim the land of our hearts and minds. Where the enemy has just had a heyday, just rehearsing all your failures and your faults and your mistakes and constantly pounding you with you're never going to be enough, and oh, what you did there is not redeemable. I know for me, I believe that God could forgive me, but I didn't forgive myself. And you know what really helped me? Someone said this to me, and they teach this in Freedom Session too. When, you're, when you don't forgive yourself, when you hold yourself in contempt, 
and you're continually punishing yourself for those mistakes, it's like you're saying, Jesus, thanks for dying on the cross, but it wasn't quite enough for me. So I'm going to take your place, and I'm going to pay for that sin over and over and over and over. Anybody? Right? That really helped me. I thought, oh, I don't want to do that to Jesus. Yes, the power is the power of the cross enough for you? Was his sacrifice enough for you? Was it for that hidden sin? Was it enough? Was it enough for all your screw-ups? Everything, past, present, future, is it enough or isn't it? And so that place where you live in shame and condemnation, where the enemy's always whispering in the back of your mind, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, it's time for you to take your stake, hold it in your hand. Today, you are going to drive this into the ground, and you're going to say, no more. No more is the enemy going to come and condemn me over this past sin. No more. I've had enough. The cross was enough for me. The blood is powerful enough to wash me clean from every sin. Whether it happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or last week, it's enough. And it doesn't diminish who I am in Christ. It's the conviction that draws me, not the condemnation. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer here this morning. It's okay if we do some prayer ministry in the middle of the sermon? Okay. We're going to put up this prayer. This is right out of freedom session. I think you should have it on your fridge and do it daily. <laughs> We're going to take a minute to do this in the sermon because I really feel... Can anybody relate to this? Okay. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit here right now. I know that he is speaking to each one of you. There's something that came to your mind even as I was speaking. And are you ready to just take your stake and drive it in the ground? I want you to keep this. I want you to have a visual reminder of this moment. Take it home. Stick it somewhere meaningful for you. And we're going to pray out loud together. So you can repeat after me. Now, when it comes to the blank, you don't have to confess your sin out loud. Don't worry. <laughs> don't want anybody to hear you. It's just between you and God. So when it comes to that, you just say it in your mind. Okay? Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I have. Now just take a moment and think about whatever God is bringing to your heart and mind. I need forgiveness. I can never pay the price for this sin, this mistake, or this failure. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for. 
I choose to turn away from this sin and not return to it. For this, I'll need your help, your strength, and a warning as soon as I begin to entertain temptation. Thank you that your death on the cross has paid my debt in full. And now, because you have forgiven me and you've paid the price for my sin, I forgive myself for and commit to no longer recall it, relive it, or hold it against me. I realize that others may not forgive me, and I'm willing to live with their resentment, knowing that you have forgiven me in full. I set myself free to live and embrace the future you've planned for me. I will no longer allow Satan to defeat me with the failures of my past. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and helping me to forgive myself. I love you. Now I want to speak this over you. As far as the east is from the west. So far, he has removed our sins from us. I just want to pray over you for one sec. Jesus, in your mighty, powerful name, I break the power of shame and condemnation over every person in this room. Lord, I ask that you would lift off heavy weights that are not ours to carry, that we would invite the Spirit of God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that you would enable us and empower us to walk in freedom and respond quickly to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not live in condemnation and shame. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hang on to this. Now, I have one last thing I want to do before we go into um, the table of the Lord here. We're going to have communion, which I think is so powerful and fitting for what we're doing this morning and facing our past. Um, when my kids were little, I would read them Bible stories, and there was one Bible story book that was particularly um, meaningful to me. And it had a picture of Mary encountering Jesus right after the resurrection. I don't know if you can see it very good up there, 
But there was something about this picture that has absolutely captured me. Because I'm looking at her. This is a woman with a past. <laughs> Does she look full of shame to you? Condemnation? And I want to suggest to you this morning that this is the posture that God wants us to live our Christian life in. Whether you've messed up that day or not, when you have, this is what conviction does. It draws you to the Father. You run to Him. You don't run and hide. You run to Him when you screw up. Romans 2, verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, because there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen?